Hi guys, welcome to this morning Sunday slot. This is uh, the story of Josh Quigley. Josh um, is a ultra cyclist. He's a champion athlete. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's on track to win the 2026 Tour de France and he's focused and determined. Um, but how does a guy that, you know, at, at, in his young age, uh, and contemplated suicide and actually attempted to do this, get to this stage where actually he's now got this mindset that he's going to do this. So we're going to bring Josh on and talk about his journey. I mean, some people know about Josh's journey, um, but some people do not know at all. And, and it's an amazing journey from up to this point in time. And then we'll also talk about, um, uh, we'll talk about something else exciting at the end, but I'll bring Josh on just now. Hi, Josh, how are you? Good morning, I'm good, how are you? Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. We just talked about this. Uh, you're desperate to get out on your bike, aren't you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> and I've just been out for a run. <laughs> hence the reason why I've got a glass of water next to me. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about at the end, uh, what was it like to win the 2026 Tour de France? Um, but briefly... Can I, can I tell you, yeah. And, and then what we're going to talk about as well is... Uh, your journey from the very beginning, you know, I, I mean, we're all born at an early age, <laughs> at zero. Um, but but were you just like anybody else, or would you would you would you say you were exceptional in, in the beginning? I was always a bit of a paradox because when I was younger, growing up, I was just to put it very Scottishly, I was just a wee fanny essentially. I used to, I used to like just going out with my mates, kicking a ball, but causing trouble, drinking, all the sort of things that you would get up to as a wee boy growing up if you were that sort of guy. So I think it was easy to look at me and think that I was just that sort of guy and I was just a troublemaker and all that because that was a big part of my life. But something that I think always gets overlooked with me is that my whole life, my entire life, since I can remember being a wee boy, 10 years old, 11 years old, I always just had this relentless drive and ambition and confidence and self-belief and that for me manifested really early in my life with entrepreneurship. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad gave me Richard Branson's autobiography when I was like 10 years old. Read that cover to cover and thought that's exactly what I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, I have all those sort of classic high school stories, tuck shop empires, you know, selling candy juice to my mates in school and all that. That was that was my sort of thing. That was the sort of wee guy that I was. And I never really had an idea for a proper business when I was leaving school. So I just went to university and studied business until I had an idea. So I think that I always had something about me. I always had that drive. I always had that, you know, self-belief and the confidence that just, if I could find something to put it into, I would have a lot of success and I could go really far. So what's interesting for me is that I originally got into cycling because I was basically depressed coming off the back of a suicide attempt, you know, I was drinking, doing drugs, living a really unhealthy lifestyle. And then that sort of manifested over time, something that I was doing just to feel better, you know, improve my happiness, improve my well-being. I actually started to get quite good at cycling. I started to really enjoy it and develop a passion for it. And that's led to some of the things I've done in the last couple of years with the record attempts and cycling around the world and some yeah. of these big, big achievements that I've got. But I think something that does get overlooked to me is that, you know, when you think of me as a guy that got into cycling because I was depressed and a guy who was in that really dark place, 
a lot of the time you forget that underneath that, I was still that guy who was driven and confident and had all the ambition. But I just went through a really difficult period in my life where I kind of forgot all that. So it was always there. It was always there underneath. And I just never really had something to put it into. And I think now with cycling, I've got something there, like a real vehicle that I can put all that drive, energy, determination, all that, all that mental, psychological stuff that I've got, which is really the number one thing that has got me any success I've had on a bike. It comes through that mindset, but it's, it's definitely always been there. Yeah, I mean, but what, I mean, you talked about, you go back to saying that your dad gave you Richard Branson's book when you were younger, and, and that's fine. Um, but but what was it inspired you and driven you forward? Do you think, do you think people are born like this? Or do you think you're made? Because um, it's it's a long-standing argument. I used to I used to argue with my pal. It's like they used to say, "Oh, leaders are born." And well, you can't argue with that because every single leader is born. <laughs> but I always said leaders can be made. Um, but but you know, what's your thoughts on that? You know, do you think it's the same similar to yourself? Do you think it's the fact that you've always had within you this burning desire, or do you think there was something round about you that made that happen? I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, probably both. I think there's there's definitely people who are not born with amazing talents that go on to achieve really amazing things just because they've just worked harder than anybody else. Like there's people who were born with no real physical or genetic talent at certain things, but just through practice, you know, the 10,000 hour rule, just putting in the work, they've got there. I think for me, it's a little bit different. I genuinely think I was born with it because it's, it's never something that I've ever had to try to do. It's never something I've had to put any effort into. Like for me to believe in myself mm -hmm. is, as, is as automatic as waking up in the morning. I don't, it doesn't require any effort for me to believe in myself. So, you know, that self-belief, the confidence, the drive, it's always been there. And something that I've always said to people in the last couple of years when I've been, you know, giving the talks and doing stuff like this is that I honestly don't think I've got any physical or genetic talent that's allowed me to have success on a bicycle. I believe that I'm talented and I believe that I'm gifted, but I think it's all psychological and mental. I think that the fact that I've just got that relentless drive and determination and I just don't quit really and I just keep persevering all the time, that's the thing that's led to any success I've ever had in a bike. It's not the, it's not the physical stuff. And so I, I, I think for me personally, it's always been there. It's something that I was blessed with. So do you think, I mean, what, what then, if you've always got that, then what prompted you to do this at an early age and get into a car and drive into a wall? I went through a really difficult time in 2015. You know, at that time, I was really, I was living my dream, essentially. You know, that 10-year-old wee boy that wanted to grow up and be an entrepreneur like Richard Branson, at 21 years old, I had my own business. We had an office. We had staff. I was awarded Young Entrepreneur of the Year by Fourth Valley Chamber of Commerce. You know, I was building a reputation as an up-and-coming aspiring entrepreneur within the Edinburgh and Scottish business network. You know, I was I was literally living my dream. And, you know, it was just I was having so much fun running a business. You know, for the first time at 21 years old, like going to the meetings and signing clients and all that sort of stuff. It was just so amazing. And I was just literally living my dream. There was just the amount of passion and love that I had for just building that business was just incredible. But at the end of 2014, my, my long-term girlfriend and I broke up. We'd been together for like seven or eight years, you know, got together like 14, 15 years old, all the way to 22. So that was, you know, that was a really difficult thing to deal with. You know, it was, I don't, don't say that for people to feel sorry for me. You know, it was largely my fault. I was just 
quite selfish, self-centered. I was spending all my time building my business during the week or wanting to go at the weekend with my mates. So, you know, she had enough and left and that was that was what happened, but it was it was incredibly difficult and I found it just really difficult to deal with. And so the first the first six months of 2015, I was just in a really dark place. I just felt horrible. I'd lost all passion and interest for the business that I was running. You know, I was struggling to get out of bed to go and do that during the week. Thursday to Sunday, I'm living in the pub, you know, just trying to escape as much as I can with drugs and alcohol. So uh, that's that's basically where, where things went wrong for me in 2015. When you talk about the drugs and alcohol, was you know, was that was that a mechanism just to just to block things out? You know, was that just to blank things out to just numb yourself from it? Because a lot of people talk about that when they get into that state, they do it just to just to numb themselves and and you know just just stop thinking about it. I I think that the drugs and alcohol thing for me, it was being honest, it was always something that I'd done when I was growing up. You know, I, I started drinking when I was twelve. You know, just on the streets with me and my mates. Then 16 started going out to pubs and we started doing that. We started doing drugs as well. And to be honest with you, if you're like 16 to 22, I was just a guy that loved living for the weekend. There was nothing, for me, there was nothing better back then. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, just gone out with my mates and, you know, doing that sort of stuff. So that was always something for me. It was always a social thing. I was always quite good at being able to keep it at the weekend. So, you know, Monday to Friday, I would still go and still, you know, go to, go to work and all that sort of stuff and I was still functioning but in 2015 when it started to become more toxic I suppose it wasn't just a social thing anymore it was more of that escape and I found that it was really affecting my life to the point where I was doing it I was hammering it that much at the weekends that you know Monday to Thursday I was I was like a zombie you know I wasn't doing anything yeah. and I, I was lucky that I was in a position where I had my own business you know I had people working for me they managed to keep things going but there wasn't anybody really there driving the business anymore. So we were we were servicing our existing clients, but I was the one that was doing all the business development and getting the new clients and the new customers and really trying to take the business forward. And I wasn't really doing that anymore. So the business started to go downhill as well. And it was uh, it was just a really a really horrible time in my life. We talked about this off air about you know a younger age. I mean, I was similar. I'm a similar background as well in terms of you know it was the drink culture when you were younger. It was almost like the, the typical, if you watch chewing the fat, where the policeman turns up and goes, he's not taking a drink. And the boy goes, go on, pal, take a drink. And it's yeah. like and it's like everybody almost thinks this is a normal part of culture, actually, to, to encourage younger people to drink. You know, that's the that's the environment we grew up in. Um, and, and it was just a natural thing to do. And you're absolutely right. You hung about in, in the Glen. You hung about in the beach. You hung about anywhere you could get where you have mates. And and you tended just to look for, I want a better phrase, look for trouble. <laughs> and and I think it was that excitement thing that people tended to want to do. You know, we, we reflect on the, the youth of today now and we castigate them. And I'm thinking, but but you've created them. <laughs> it's it's exactly what you've you've actually taught them that, and that's what they're doing. Um, it's so we've we've talked about that. We're we're kind of similar backgrounds, kind of driven as well. Um, you talked about things like you know. What, what advice would you give someone that's a younger person, you know, in terms of if they're, if they're in that sort of zone just now, if they're in that depressive state, if, they're, if, they're, if they are turning to drink and alcohol and drugs? And... I, th I think it's a tricky one. It's always hard to know what to say. But I think, I think the, the challenging thing about being in headspace like that is that you make this false assumption or you have this false belief that how you feel then is how you're going to feel forever. 
And that's that's really where I was in, in the first six months of 2015. You know, I was just so depressed and so suicidal. And I just couldn't imagine being happy ever again. I couldn't imagine ever getting over that breakup. I couldn't imagine ever meeting anybody else. I just couldn't imagine my life ever getting better. And so when you, you can't have, when you don't have that hope and you're struggling so much, it's hard to just keep going. So I think the first thing that I would probably try and say to people, and this is hard because it's hard to believe it when you're, when you're in that place, it's just to try and remember that how you feel now is not how you're going to feel forever. And yeah. two months time, 12 months time, two years time, you can feel a lot better. That's that's usually where I start. Over and above that, I think something that's a difficult conversation but needs to be had is that sometimes in order for you, your life to change and for your life and for you to feel better, you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to yeah. have to make some changes. And for me, at one point in 2015, I realized that, you know, I was... I wasn't taking any responsibility for my life. You know, I was blaming the breakup. I was blaming Scotland's drinking culture. I'd blaming things, other things that had happened in my life growing up. And I realized that, you know what, I need to take responsibility here. And I just, I done like this thing called a life audit where I just looked at every area of my life and thought, what changes can I start making? Yeah. And I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm drinking four nights a week. You know, my diet's terrible. Don't exercise. Watching a lot of TV. I just started changing and stuff like that you know stopped drinking started eating better exercising started reading books and it's no surprise that just by making all these little small changes in my life i started to feel better and i had a wee bit of momentum again so you need to understand that things can get better but you're probably going to have to do something about it as well it's not going to come on its own i think you're absolutely right i mean it is the it is the case that if you keep doing the same things and and expecting a different result it is really the height of ignorance you know that's really what it comes down to. It's it's delusional for want of a better phrase. You talked about things like uh, your life audit. I mean, where did you get that idea? You know, where did a life audit come from? I mean, and and you talked about as well about the ten thousand hour rule. You know, where where does all that come from? I went down a bit of a rabbit hole with personal development that year. You know, I think it's something that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people were brought into personal development from a place of pain, and I know that was my story. I had a conversation in September 2015 with my business mentor that really changed my life. A guy called Alan Bonner, really successful businessman, been my mentor for the last five years. And we were having a conversation on the phone and I said to him, if only me and my girlfriend never broke up, I would be happy and the business would be doing so much better. And he said to me, what other excuses have you got? And I swear to God, that was just like wow. such... It was such a defining moment in my life. Like I'm I just, about a punch in the face. <laughs> I, it, was just, it just like just the one the one question. He just called me out in my bullshit, and I just realised he was like, I was like, fuck, he's right. Like I, I need to do something about this. And so, it was that conversation with Alan, and then he then gave me a book, which was the first the first book I ever read in personal development, 2015, Success Principles by Jack Canfield, and it's here. Yeah. <laughs> First, and I'm reading it just now. First chapter of the book is you're 100 in control of your life, and I swear to God that chapter changed my life. It's and even now looking back, it seems like such basic information, but at the time for me it was mind blowing. It was, you know, I I literally was thinking to myself like, if all these things in my life never happened, I could be happy, and I realised that you know I need to just take control here. And it's the wee, the wee formula that Jack spoke about in that chapter, E plus R equals O. 
the event in your life plus your reaction determines the outcome. And I realized that, yes, the breakup was a terrible event. And it's something that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. And it's really tough and painful. But my response to that, drinking, drugs, not doing anything about it, was equally as negative as the event. And so as a result, the outcome was depression, suicide, all that sort of stuff. And so I realized that in order to change my life, I need to change the response. Yeah. I kind of change the breakup, that's happened, accept it, deal with it, take the lessons, but I can now change my response and change who I am. And so that's why I started going down the personal development path and started just reading all the books, eating better, meditating, exercising, you know, just, just all the stuff you could possibly do to make yourself feel better. And it worked. It is, it is a path that a lot of people actually take when they realize that, that they are at the, the, the rock bottom. You know, it's uh, it's the typical, uh, I mean, I know you're quite young, but typically it's a midlife crisis for most people. Um, yeah. That's really what happens to them. And a lot of people actually run straight away for the bottle. You know, they go, they go straight away for the alcohol because it's an easy gig. Um, and it's a, it's a live for the weekend thing. It's like, let's just work during the week and get lashed at the weekend, work during the week, lashed at the weekend. And they don't realise that something, I mean, you know, I've been reading Success Principles as well, and, it, and it's amazing to think that just one hour of television less every single day over a 12-year period will actually recover back two years of your life. <laughs> what? <laughs> how to get two? How to get two years of your working life back? Imagine getting two years' salary just straight in your hand, just because you watched one less hour of television and used it productively. That's amazing to think that, that, and it's the compounding effect. And it's like what you said. What about the ten thousand hour rule then? What's what? What was that? So the ten thousand hour rule, I believe, is a concept by Malcolm Gladwell. I'm not sure if it's an actual book or not, but I just know of it. I think it's I think it's a book potentially. Do, do you know? Can you confirm that? Uh, possibly. Um, you I know, think. Let's just assume it is. <laughs> it's in one of his books, anyway. I think Malcolm Gladwell, really incredible guy. He's got this concept of ten thousand hours that until you put 10,000 hours into something, you can't really say you're an expert or feel qualified in that thing. So just, it's just a wee yeah. thing I like to think about as well that, you know, I think just putting in the work just as it's the bread and butter. You need to do it. You're never going to get there without doing the work. Yeah. So so let's let's come back a wee bit to your cycling then. So you, you had your Forrest Gump moment then. You know, basically you just said, right, I've had enough. I'm just going to, I'm just going to cycle around the world. <laughs> Is that literally what you thought to yourself? I'm saying that's it. I'm just gonna cycle around the world. Pretty much, I. Uh, this is now like the back end of 2015. I was obviously started this new personal development journey. I was looking for, you know, I was changing all these things in my life. A lot of lifestyle things like sober and diet, exercise, all that. But I was also looking for something different to do in my life as well. I just felt unfulfilled in the business that I was running and I just thought I need something different. I happened to go along to an event in Edinburgh, a business event where Sir Chris Hoy was giving a talk about the champion, sorry, the mindset of a champion, I believe it was called or something like that. And I was there that day as an entrepreneur to network and do that sort of thing. Had no real athletic or sporting bits in me at that time. You know, I was quite overweight, out of shape and all that. But there was just something about the talk that day. I don't know what it was. 
I don't really think it was Sir Chris's talk, to be honest. I think he just helped me see something in myself that was always there. He, he awoke something that day, and I was just so inspired by his talk. And sitting in the audience, I said to myself, fuck it, I'm going to cycle around the world. That was that was a, just one of those crazy life decisions. I didn't even know anything about it. I didn't know if you could do it. I didn't know if there was a road. I didn't know anything about right. it. I just, I'm, going to, I'm going to cycle around the world. Sounds like uh, a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> to hell with it. I may as well just cycle around the world. <laughs> That's the type of crazy things I do. It's like, I'm uh, just going to do this, and it's like, oh, how do I do it now? <laughs> uh, I think I think there's a, there's a lot in that. If you think about you know being a guy that's depressed, suicidal, overweight, out of shape, you know, not a cyclist, never been on a bike since I'm a wee boy. Sitting in the audience that day, I just said, I'm going to cycle around the world. And to a lot of people, that seems quite extreme. And, and I guess it is. To me, it's not really. But I think what's so interesting about that is that when I sat in that audience that day, I said I'm going to cycle around the world with this with the amount of certainty, like I said, I was going to cycle up to the shop for a pint of milk. Like yep. I, I, there was no part of me that day that thought, oh, what if I can't do it? Or I don't think I could do that. I just assumed. I just made this assumption I can cycle around the world. And I think yep. I think that that tells a lot about me and the sort of character that I am. That drive and ambition and self-belief has never ever been a problem for me. It's always there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in that similar position where I was might have said, I'm going to get into cycling. I'm going to buy a bike. <laughs> I'm going to go for a 20-mile cycle three mornings a week. I went straight to the biggest possible thing that I could have possibly done in that moment. Cycling, there's literally nothing bigger I could have done in a bike. Like I'm at such an early stage of that cycling journey, I can't go into big events or big competitions. The biggest thing I could have possibly done is cycling around the world, and I fucking went for it. And I think all the stuff that I'm going to do over the next five to ten years and all my bigger goals and dreams, so much of that can be made more sense. You can make more sense of that when you realise that I set myself that goal for where, where I was in 2015. Did you tell anybody about that goal, about cycling around the world? Oh, I so I and what was the reaction? You're absolutely mental. <laughs> actually, it's it's really funny. Actually, I I'm now doing a bit of work with Tour de Fourth, which is a, a I have seen that. Yep, a big cycle sport of in in Scotland that's going to be this year. So I'm now an ambassador for them, and it's really interesting. One of the guys who's on the organising committee for that, his name is Martin Much. Really successful businessman passionate about cycling helping out the event and stuff like that he's been been really good to me over the years i knew him in my previous life through business we were both involved in a networking organization called we do scotland i remember going along to meet the exec team of we do scotland in 2016 just before i set off to cycle around the world and i was telling them about all my plans and what i was going to try and do and i'm and martin was there that day and we met up recently just talking about the tour de fourth thing and he says to me, he just he, say, he just admitted to me, he said, I remember that day when you came and told us that day, and I thought, he's absolutely mental. There's just there's just no way that you can do that. And so that that I love hearing stuff like that. And I think that's what's happening with me now is the same thing that happened five years ago. And that five years ago, as a guy that wasn't a cyclist in such a terrible shape, said he was going to cycle around the world, and it seemed absolutely impossible. It seemed absolutely mental. And Nebdy really gave me a chance, right? 
you look at where I'm at now, right? I'm talking about winning the Tour de France. I'm talking about becoming a champion at the highest level. It's going to happen again where everybody's going to think, do you know what? That's just a step too far. That's impossible. He's not going to do that. And once again, I will get there and we'll be able to look back in this moment now and we'll laugh at it the way we laugh at me in 2015. That is going to happen. I can promise you that. We ever I believe you. It's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I absolutely believe you. So, so you've you've gone round the world. Um, you've you've faced a huge amount of adversity on the way, though. You know, God, there's been. I mean, what about the what about the crash in America? You know, that was crazy. Uh, it's, you know this this journey for me has been. I don't really talk about it that much. But I wish I, I wish I, I, sh- I probably should talk about it more. This journey for me has been deeply spiritual, deeply spiritual. And it's, it's the number one thing in my life, even bigger than cycling. This this started for me in 2015, you know, when I, I tried to end my life by crashing my car into a concrete barrier at 70 mile an hour, right? Walked away from that with no physical injuries whatsoever, right? 24 hours after that, I get released from hospital, told that I'm free to go home. Before I did, I walked on to the chapel. And as a guy that was not religious, no spiritual, didn't have any belief system, didn't believe in God, you know, was just living for the weekend, living that life. That night I wrote a message in the book and I thanked a God I didn't believe in and said, I give you my new life. It starts today and I give it to you. That's something I think about every single day. The fact that I was able to thank a God I never believed in is the ultimate sign of faith. Yeah. That night, I've never been the same since that night. I've just never, I've, I've never been the same since that. So, something happened to me that night. I don't know what it was, some sort of awakening or something. Honestly, I yeah. don't know how to articulate it, but I just totally changed after that. You know, I, up until that point, I was like loving going out and drinking. I loved football. You know, I was really into politics. It was weird after that. You know, I just stopped having interest in going out and drinking. Didn't want to do it anymore. I just stopped watching football. And I just had the interest in politics. It was just, it was so weird. It was like, I survived that night physically, but part of me died that night. It was just like, I'd spent like 22 years thinking I was this guy. And that night, God, or whatever you want to call it, came along and just went, no, nah, that's not who you are. We're going to get you on your true path. We're going to get you on your, why you're really here. And ever, mm-hmm. since that, ever since that night, my life's just been a whole different path. And... The, the spirituality side it's so big and so that that leads into the crash in america as well that's why i was telling you all that there's 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 no way there's no some sort of higher power involved in that it's just it's just unconceivable if you think about if you walk over a fly a flyover bridge over a motorway and you see cars flying at 70 mile an hour and you see how fast they'd actually gone and you think about one of those cars coming behind me and hitting me on a bike and that I've no protection. I'm just sitting on a bike and I get hit through behind at 70 mile an hour and I fly 50 feet through the air and hit the ground. And nine weeks after that, I'm back out cycling on the road. How does, how can you, how can you get your head around that? Like it, it is unbelievable. And I just, there's, there's no way, honestly, there's, there's, some, there's somebody looking after me that honestly is, I really believe it. 
we had talked about the nurses and the doctors and that, and when you were in America, and and just basically saying you've got no chance of walking so quick or even or even cycling. They just almost they laughed again, really, didn't they? And it was like you've got you've got no chance. And you're like, no, no, this is when. Tell us about that. Tell us about that mindset when you had. No, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it, and this is how you know what 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 was behind that. It's just like I'm going to do it. I think that I'd. I'd been on a bit of a journey that year in 2019 where I'd had like six attempts at cycling around the world and never done it, never finished it. But, you know, it was just really starting and stopping all the time. April the 14th, 2019, I said, right, I'm going to get on the bike and I'm going to cycle around the world. And this time I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to commit to it and I'm not going to stop until I finish. And that, I swear to God, that that moment's up there with so many other big significant moments. That that really changed my life in so many ways. What that done for me, rather than stop and starting all the time and not really committing to one thing, you know, eight months later, I'd cycled almost 15,000 miles. I'm almost finished cycling around the world. And I went for a guy that was doing 50 miles a day to doing 200 miles a day, cycling 240 miles, 270 miles. I just... I became the athlete that I was always meant to be on that journey around the world. And I was so committed to finishing the challenge. So when I woke up in hospital and they told me what had happened, my first thought was just, when can I get back in the bike? Because I'm committed to this challenge. I need to finish cycling around the world and there's nothing going to stop me. There have been so many obstacles that year. You know, on day six, my bike got stolen in London big obstacle you know I tried to go over the Alps and the pass was closed because of all the heavy snow you know I got sick in Azerbaijan I got sick in China I had a damaged passport in Australia I had to fly home just so many things just went wrong there was just so many obstacles along the way but I was just keeping going keeping going just keep plugging away at it and so for me getting hit by a car in America it was just another obstacle that was it was never going to stop me and I'm so proud of the fact that when I woke up in hospital, that was my first thought. You know, I'm so proud of that. Like, I really am. And I think that that tells you just how committed I was to it, that nothing was ever going to get in my way or nothing was ever going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've 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 done round the world, round the world. You've got crashed and all the rest of it. I mean, you know, what 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 was the next steps for you after that then? You know, it's like when you came home, you thought, am I just going to get back on the bike? Am I just going to get on with it? Or it was like, okay, have I got a plan of action? Where am I going next and what am I doing? You know, this is your, this is the, this is the way you've disciplined yourself. You're basically f- so focused. I, I was I was going to put something on your uh, your post the other night. It was like when you were talking about your focus. <laughs> and it was someday, it was a wee meme where, where a person poking a cart and it was just like completely focused. <laughs> and then when they move, and I kind of thought that's you. You're like, you're blinkered completely and think this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm doing it. And I'm so, that's it. it. There's no, there's no discussion in your mind. It's like, no, I'm going to do it. So what happened after the, you know, the, the around the world, do, do you ever want to go back to that? Or do you want to, or, or do you just like, right, I've done it. It's out of my system. I'm just going to have to draw a line under it. That's it. I, I feel insulted at the thought that I'm not going to go back and finish it. That's just how strongly I feel about that. Uh, I am 100% going to finish that cycle. I, I've just physically not been able to because of the current yeah. 
pandemic. Like I, I'm just not capable of getting back to America. So when I got back to America in January 2020, all I was thinking about was getting back to America to go and finish that challenge. Yeah. I was back on the bike in March and at the end of March, I was ready to go back to America and finish cycling around the world. But COVID hit. And so since then I've been stuck here and no, no, in a negative way. I've made the most of it. I've done other things, but I've just, I've really just had to forget about cycling around the world for the last year because it's so out of my control. There's literally nothing I can do about it. I just can't get into America. So I've just been focusing on other things since then. And when America finally opens its borders and the world's back to normal, I'll fly back to Texas. I'll fly back to the place where I got hit. I'll get on the bike. I'll cycle to New York and I'll finish cycling across America. And what have you been doing in the meantime then? You've done the NC500, haven't you? That was amazing. Yes, I did. So tell everybody what the NC500 is for people that don't know. That was so, so the North Coast 500 is a 516-mile route around the Scottish Highlands. I've rode my bike on 30-plus countries, four continents, and that route is my favourite anywhere I've been. It's just absolutely incredible. It's just such a special part of the world. I think for somebody who's so passionate about Scotland, to go up to the Highlands is almost like a sort of it's almost like a sort of pilgrimage and a sort of spiritual experience as well. I feel so connected to that part of the world. So it's really special for me. There is a record, well, there was a record for cycling it, and I'd heard about that last year. And so because I wasn't able to go back to America, I decided to have a crack at that. The original record for it was set in 2016 by Mark Beaumont. He'd done it in about 38 hours, which is just basically non-stop riding. You just go out and ride for 38 hours, you know, maybe take a couple breaks or something like that. But it's, you're, not, you're not doing it over like two or three days or anything. Like Most people would usually do it over about seven to ten days. If you were doing it quite fast, you might do it in five. Some people even do it in three if you're going really fast. But the record is like a, it's an all-out. You're just going for it in a one-hour. And so that was the original record set by Mark, who's obviously Scotland's greatest ever ultra-endurance cyclist, got the, the world record for round the world. Mark's record was then beaten the following year by James McCallum, who is an ex-professional, one, one of the greatest one of the greatest cyclists that Scotland's ever created. James McCallum got a lot of respect for him. He took the record down to 31 hours and 23 minutes. So, wow. That, that was the record, 31 hours and 23 minutes when we were going for it. And what what was so interesting about it as well, I've never really spoke that much about this, but I was set to do it on the 19th and the 20th of September, which was, I think it was a Saturday and a Sunday. The previous Saturday, seven days before my attempt, I found out there was another attempt. Somebody else was going for it. A guy called Gavin Dempster, really, really strong racing cyclist from up in Inverness. So that was obviously quite a big obstacle for me. You know, I'm I'm training for this. I'm training for this time that we're trying to beat. I find that somebody else has gone for it. I'm like, fuck's sake, man! This is like this is meant to be my big moment. And somebody else is going. <laughs> somebody's going to set a new time. Then I need to go and beat that. But um, Gavin didn't have great conditions. The weather was tough, and he wasn't able to finish it. So there was one attempt that didn't quite make it. A few a week before me. Then I found out there was another attempt three days after that, three days before I was going to do it, a guy from down south, Alex Reynard, another really strong racing cyclist, really strong guy. So I'm thinking, right, here we go again. 
and Alex had a few issues and didn't manage to finish it either. So in the few days leading up to my attempt, there was there was two failed attempts at it. And I remember watching them as they were happening. I was following the dots religiously those final few days. And I remember just as the second one was kind of officially over, I thought, this is it. This is, this is my time. This is just my moment. Like This is my time to go out and show the world what I'm really capable of. Because for the last few years, I've been this kind of round-the-world cyclist. I've been this charity cyclist. A lot of people within cycling didn't really take me seriously. They see the big goals. They see the big ambition. They think I'm full of shit. This is my chance. This is my coming-out party. I can go and show the world what I'm truly made of. And I swear to God, when I got to Inverness, the confidence and assurance that I had in myself was that's I knew I was going to do it there was no doubt in my mind it was just there was just something about it there was something in the air the weather was perfect it was just one of those things I believe was just true like destiny fate whatever you want to call it and also it happened to be the same weekend as the final day of the Tour de France which is really weird because as I was riding in Inverness, setting the new record, the Tour de France was finishing in Paris, and the winner for that year was being crowned and getting the yellow jersey, right? I don't think it's a coincidence that I set that record on the same day that was happening, 500 miles away or whatever in Paris. And the weird thing about that as well is that for like the last 110 years or something like that, that the Tour de France has been a thing, it's always in July. It is always in July. This is the only year... Because of the pandemic, the Tour de France was in September, and it happens to be the same day that I do that. And I just feel like that is such an affirmation for my future. And then after it, Brian Smith, the Eurosport commentator, talking about me in Eurosport, gave me a shout out, said, well done, congratulations, Josh. So as as the peloton is riding into Paris, going up the Champs-Élysées, the commentators were talking about me on Eurosport. Brilliant. If you're telling me that's all a coincidence, then no, nah, I'm just not yeah, having. It's meant to be. It's the laws of attraction. It is. There's there's something happening here. There's something happening. There's a path, and I'm just living it. You go through these. You go through this, and I've, I get it as well as the deja vu moment. It's like I've been here before. Yeah, I, I, I've been successful at this before, and I've seen this happen before. And I've, I've, I've almost, I've almost, I've almost, I think I'm convinced I've done it. So, you know, as, as, you know, is that your personal experience as well? I get, I get deja vu's a lot. And I have certain things in my life that just, some things I, I get like a really vivid deja vu that's like, I see like a moment, some, I've, I've seen that before, like a dream or whatever. But sometimes I'm in a place in my life where just, it's like, when my life just becomes this one big deja vu where just everything seems familiar everything seems like i've seen all this before i've had that a lot recently like at, at the moment right now i am arguably the most focused determined driven on the ball in the game in the zone that i've ever been i just feel so clear on my life who i am what i'm about what i'm trying to do what i'm working towards i feel so clear right now and at the moment just everything seems to be popping everything's going well I'm just attracting all these good things into my life. I'm just, I'm just really on it right now, and just everything just feels familiar. Like last night, I had like two really powerful deja vu's. I'm getting them all the time, and I just, I just feel like that there's a path for my life. There is some sort of destiny, something I was destined to do, and that doesn't mean it's going to happen automatically. 
Yeah. That means that means that it's like meet me halfway. Here's your destiny, Josh. This is what you're meant to do. This is what you're capable of. Put in the work and get there. So I believe mine's is to go and win that race, to go and win that Tour de France. That's my destiny. I truly believe it. But my part of that is the training, the nutrition, the mindset, all this stuff. I still need to put in the work. And yeah. unless I do, I'm never going to get there. And a quote that I think about, I've got so many quotes in my life, loads of ones that really mean a lot to me. One that really means a lot to me, and I hope I get it right here. I'm trying to remember it, but the definition of hell is your last day on earth. The person you are meets the person you could have been. You could have been. Wow. That's that. That's that, so powerful. I remember. I, I think so of that powerful. one as well. It's so powerful. It drives me so much. Like I. I need to go for this. I need to try and do this because if I didn't, I would just always regret it and I would always know that I left something on the table. And so see if I spend the next 10 years trying to win the Tour de France and I don't. And the reason I don't is because the other guys were just a lot better than me. But I know that I tried my best. I trained as hard as I possibly could. My nutrition was great. My coaching was great. Everything was great. I left it on the table. I can live with that. Yeah. But can he live with no trying? I can he live with that. The one phrase that resonates in my mind all the time is if you can, you must. And and it sticks with me every single time. If you have an obligation, if you can to do it and make it happen. And and you know, you've I mean, you've been out where where were you out um, just in the last six months? Dubai. I I was I was out in was out in the UAE in Dubai for some winter training in January and had had an accident out there. Uh, just an accident. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not just an accident, is it? So yeah. how did that happen? Oh, we'd, we'd climbed up this mountain, and we're, when we were descending it, it was flying down the hill about 40 mile an hour, and just it was really windy up there. I think the wind caught my front wheel, and I just lost control of the bike and came off. So uh, it was a pretty sore one. Do you just, do you just, I mean, I've come off my bike before as well, and, and you kind of never remember what happened. It's just like your mind protection just goes blank. That, that wasn't in my experience that time. That, the one in, the one in Dubai was really quite traumatic, actually. Like when I had the crash in America, I was just riding my bike one night along a highway, and then I woke up in the back of a helicopter. That was pretty, what, that was pretty much what happened. And by that point, I'm getting, pain meds and morphine pumped into me so i didn't really feel anything in the beginning but in dubai it was a complete opposite like i was flying down the hill 40 mile an hour and then realized i had like maybe like a split second where i realized that the bike just started shaking like mad and i thought i'm coming off here and it was the the most horrible feeling of dread i've ever had honestly it was so scary because i just i just knew i'm coming off at this speed and it's going to be horrible it's tank slap it's, you get on a motorbike as well when you go too fast around the corner. I've had it and crashed. So yeah. the, the, the wheel just goes out of control and that's it. You're off. Aye, so came off, hit the ground. Just horrible, you know. So many broken bones and fractures. You know, broke my arm, elbow, shoulder, collarbone. Fractures on my pelvis, my spine. Four broken ribs. You know, loads of abrasions and cuts. Like, all of my skin was taken off with the rod. 
sitting at the side of the road for an hour waiting on the ambience with no pain medication just honestly just horrible so bad wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy but that's that is what it is and i i just had to get through it again and how long ago was that then that that happened that was just at the end of january start of february i was in hospital you're on your bike bike. (laughs) wow 100 miles yesterday well, I mean that's I mean that's you you must have some sort of healing power. I mean, when you think about it, I mean again, we've talked about this off camera. It's like I seem I seem to heal ultra quick in terms of what I do. Anything that happens, I'm healed within three, four days. Aye, but my body really does seem to just just heal. My body seems to be indestructible in the sense of I can I've had so many big accidents and yet I'm still here and I'm still there's nothing wiped me out yet. And it's not to say that it won't ever, but I just believe that there's a path for my life. And so if that's that's the path, and that's the path. I don't have really any attachment to the outcome. Um, but for now, I'm still here. I'm still gone. Yeah. My, body, my body seems to just recover fast. And I, I don't know if that's a natural genetic thing or it's like a mindset thing. I, I believe it's the mindset thing. I just, mindset, mindset for me every day, every single day mindset, that's what makes the difference. It's you're fundamentally... Um, and Tony Robbins talks about it as well, like patients have had, you know, serious illnesses. They've actually conditioned themselves and thought themselves into into actually being right, you know, actually being healed. And it's it, he says he can't believe it, but it's remarkable how you how the mind can do that because it goes to work on all the things it should do in order to make that happen for you because you're conditioning yourself to do it. So you you had a wee scare in the hospital, you know, what was the arthritis thing that came up? Oh, aye. So, aye. So there was a lot of injuries there as well, and it turns out I've got arthritis on my hip as well. So, aye, that's that's something that sounds a bit daunting to get in your twenties, but it's not going to stop me. So I don't, I don't really care to be honest. It's just another, just another chapter of the story, really. Just another thing to overcome. And it's, you know, I've now got a whole new audience of people that I can inspire because you know how many people in the world have got yeah. arthritis. So you know, I can show them that you can still go and achieve physical things, and so I, it's it's all it's all good for me. I just I just make the most of everything that happens in my life. Just all the bad things that happen, I just turn them into good things. And I just I've just got such a positive mindset. And it is it is the success is a journey. It's never a destination, isn't it? It's really that's what it is, and it's keeping going. And it's the fact that you lie down and don't get back up. It it means you'll never you never make it, and and that's the resilience. You just get back up every single time. Regardless, it's like a, it's it's a natural instinct. You've programmed yourself to do that. I just I just don't see like what's the alternative. Like you have a crash, you come off your bike, and people say like, "Oh, I don't know how you just keep going and keep picking yourself back up." What is the alternative to getting back in the bike? What just saying, "I'm done." Like, yeah, <laughs> I've come too far. Like, I've I've put too much time and effort in the last four or five years into cycling to just. To just walk away now like it's honestly i i couldn't even imagine what my life would look without cycling like i just i just think there's certain people in life are born to do certain things and i would be absolutely hopeless at almost every other thing in life like i would be i would be the single worst employee in probably the history of the world like i'm just no i just couldn't i couldn't do it i just you know, I'm just so like set in my ways and so like independent. I just couldn't work for anybody else. It just it's just no part of my DNA. So I, I couldn't even imagine, honestly, it's I just couldn't imagine what I would do in my life if I didn't do this. Like I just 
it just feels so meant to be and so perfect. And if you were going to create, see for the life that I'm living, if you were going to create a guy to live my life, you create him exactly as I am right now. It's, yeah. it's, there's almost, there's almost no way I wasn't created for this. Mm -hmm. So this is, this leads me to believe, and you know, there's, there's a certain guy that actually got in touch with you and he says, look, I'm, you know, he, he, you met up one to write your book. You know, what's that? What's, what's behind that then? The, the book's interesting because I, I keep trying to write it, but I keep also thinking to myself, just wait a wee bit longer. Do you know what I mean? Because, it's the same guy that wrote the book for David Beckham, isn't it? Aye, David Beckham and Andy Murray. Wow. Yeah. Good company. That, that would be a nice club to be in. You know, he's he's a really, really amazing journalist and writer. You know, worked for the Sunday Times for 30-odd years, tennis correspondence. And uh, he's only ever wrote two autobiographies, and one was David Beckham, the other was Sir Andy Murray, and the third would be mine. So that... Even when that happened, I thought, Are you try to tell me that's a coincidence as well. Like, it's just, it's, it's just like a, this is another thing that's affirming this path that I'm on, that yeah. I'm going to get, I'm going to get to that level. And so, I am, I'm not really sure what's happening with the book at the moment because the pandemic kind of got in the way and affected timelines and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm still a wee bit unsure about the book. Like, I really am because I feel like to tell this, to tell the story now and write the book would be such a great story, such a great book. But there's part of me thinks, why would you tell there's this? There's more to come. Aye, I, I just feel like there's still more to come. And I just think that I only really you get one. You could do a second book. <laughs> you could do I a sequel. Aye, no, there'll definitely be more than one, but I just feel like maybe it's tight. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I try and just surrender to life and let these things take place as they do. So I'll see how I'll see how that flows and how that goes. But at the moment, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not writing a book right now. I'll need to catch up with Neil soon because we've not spoken in a while and see what he's what his thoughts are. But if we never wrote a book right now, I wouldn't mind waiting to twenty twenty six because I think that's yeah. that's that's a much better story. And finally, can I ask you what it was like to win the Tour de France in twenty twenty six? It was everything that I ever dreamed of and more. Uh, I I couldn't believe it when you crossed the finish line. That was that <laughs> was amazing. I was, stand, I was literally standing in the crowd actually watching you as you crossed the finish line. And I just, I, I, I burst into tears, basically. I couldn't believe it. It is fascinating talking about all this stuff because to, to a lot of people, 90% probably listening to me talk like this, it's just they think that guy's delusional, that guy's out of his mind. And something that I realised recently is that they're right in a way. I am delusional because I live in a future that's no yet arrived. And that's the reason why I'm going to do it. Because I see myself as this person that I am the actually right now, but I can see it in there. And eventually my body's just going to catch up with it. And another quote that means a lot to me as well is that God never gives you an idea that you're not capable of fulfilling. And why would I think about this so much? Like, you wouldn't believe the amount of the time that I spend thinking about this. It's just, I am obsessed by it. I, I visualize it so clearly. I've got songs in my life that I listen to every day, and every song is a visualization. For example, I visualize flying back in Edinburgh Airport in one of Nike's private jets, 
as I get off the plane and walking down the steps, journey, don't stop believing is playing. I can see myself shaking hands with the captain, walking down the steps, shaking hands with all the air hostesses, walking through the airport, waving at all the border guards, standing at that bit where the double doors in Edinburgh Airport just about to open. Just as the chorus, the journey, don't start believing is about to kick in, those double doors open and I'm just standing there in that yellow jersey and there's fucking thousands of people on the other side waiting for me to come back home. You can't see anything except Scotland flags, tears. That, oh, just incredible, man. Just see if see if I've got a 1% chance of making that happen. I need to fight for it because it's worth fighting for. If I could pull that off, it would be... It would just, just Honestly, I know I'm biased because it's my life and I'm so close to it, but I just think it would be the greatest sporting achievement ever just i just think it would for the place i came from from where i started you know there's nobody ever got to the highest level of sport from the place i started never never and especially knowing the biggest and most famous cycling race in the world the tour de france is bigger than cycling everybody knows about the tour de france it's such a big thing and to be somebody who grew up so passionate about scotland and just love Scotland so much, to be the first ever Scottish winner of that race would just be so special. And I truly believe it's why I'm here. And something else I'll tell you, that something else that I think about all the time, when I first had the idea for all this cycling stuff and the Tartan Explorer and all this stuff that I started in 2015, when I had the original idea, I sent my auntie a text and I says to her, I've just had a crazy idea that I think might make me the most famous person in Scotland. And I think about that so much, like, because cycling around the world and starting a mental health thing isn't going to make you the most famous person in Scotland. But if you win the Tour de France and be the first ever Scottish winner for at least 24 to maybe 48 hours, you are the number one most talked about thing in Scotland. There's no person in this country in any of the highlands or the islands, no matter how far away you are, that isn't going to hear about that on that day. And to think that I said that in 2015, having no idea of where I was going to go, just further proof for me. And I'll finish it with another wee quote that kind of demonstrates what I just said. Every seed has an intelligence of the tree it's going to become. I knew the path. I've always knew it. And the further I go into this journey, the more I'm uncovering it. And that's why I'm getting all the deja vus. My path's there. I just need to keep going, keep moving forward, and just never quit. And that's why I'm going to get there. Brilliant. It's a amazing, amazing, amazing chatting to you, Josh. Um, you know, for anybody that's watching, please take time to share this on your feeds with anybody else. You need to get as much support for Josh as possible. Get more people on his Facebook page. Get more people following him as well. Keep pushing him on to this as well. This is going to be the 2026 Tour de France winner. Josh will win the Tour de France in 2026. And see when the wee guy jumps out the, the crowd and goes, any chance of an interview, mate? <laughs> Please remember me. <laughs> Trust me, there's... there's hundreds thousands of people that have supported me believed in me in the beginning and when i get to where i'm going i'm not going to forget any of the people that helped me in the way up not at all not at yeah. all 
And guys, if you get a chance again, uh, please share this and, and get the following behind Josh. And uh, and thanks very much, Josh, for coming on the show. Absolutely amazing. So inspiring. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we're going on a journey and, and I'm sure we'll catch up in another time as well. And uh, and thanks everybody else for watching um, and, and, and commenting as well. Okay. Um, and I'll see you next week on the Sunday slot, guys. Bye-bye. Right. I can finally go train now. Is that what you're telling me? Ah, uh, you can. <laughs> Bye.